A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. England defence and the best job has gone for the high ball, trying to look it up for Hosanna! Goal! And they've scored! Roy <laughs> Houghton! We're a small country and you know, we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again. Hello and welcome to Sunday's very special edition of the Irish Times Second Captain's Euros podcast. It's a quick react show with Owen and Murph, and we're going to Ken shortly. Reacting, of course, Murph, to Ireland's historic victory over a ragged and disjointed Belgian team. It went Coach- exactly as we <laughs> said it would, yeah, yeah. Coach and goalkeeper at each other's throats. Nobody winning to play for each other. Lukaku's surely going to get dropped. Listen, there are a couple of there are a couple of certainties in life, and that is a disjointed, disharmonious uh, panel. They, they 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 can never achieve anything in major tournaments, and that's that's why we were as bullish as we were on mm-hmm. Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we talked to Paul Harrod last week about the famous world incident in 1981 in qualifying for the 1982 World Cup when Ireland were robbed by a refereeing decision. I joked, I sort of half joked at that time that sometimes when you lose a game like that. It's not quite as good as winning. We don't. We don't prefer to win and qualify. But there's at least it's something to, to some sense of injustice to really get your teeth in. There's a visceral emotion around that that doesn't quite exist around this game. I think it was just, and we'll we'll talk about. There's plenty to talk about. I think. But the bottom line is, the much better team won by a pretty um, deserved yeah, scoreline. Decisive think, margin. Yeah. That's the sense. I'm literally just back up back late last night from Bordeaux. I haven't seen any of the TV, so I haven't really seen any reaction. So I'm kind of going on what I was feeling in the stadium, but I didn't get the sense that even around the ground afterwards, I didn't get any sense of anger particularly, or, you know, well, there's people talking about various issues. Why is Kieran Clark lunging in on Hazard for that third breakaway goal? And could James McCarthy maybe please start turning up to some of these big mm-hmm. international games and so on? But... Uh, I don't think anyone is arguing that any of if, if all of the best things on the day could have happened, that we would have actually won the game. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean that's definitely the case. I mean, I don't think there's much room for argument. Is I mean, there I more think, anger back home? No, it's really more that after getting through the first half, there was an idea that maybe the that Belgium couldn't play as well again, uh, and we actually came out the first. Like the first two minutes of the second half before Lukaku's first goal were nearly our best two minutes of the game. We appeared to have gotten to grips with how we were supposed to play and then we were hit immediately with a sucker punch goal. And from there, we became wide open and the Belgians just absolutely took advantage of it in a really, really clinical and you'd have to say a very stylish way. But 
No, I mean, we were terrible in the first half. I, th- I, I actually thought we were worse in the first half than we were in the second half. Did you, yeah? Well, I, I, we were completely bossed. Like, we did nothing in the first half. In I the know. second half, between, for the first 15 minutes, say, of the second half, we conceded a goal in that time. But I thought we actually put a few passes together. Se- the moment the second goal went in, we just died completely. We, and we looked so tired. Oh, man. <laughs> After the second goal, all of our players just looked completely out in their feet and it was... Really, I think they probably were. In fairness, yeah, it was a case of how bad this was going to get. Uh, yeah, early on, I was worried uh, because of all the possession they had, which we knew they they would have. But the space they were finding themselves in, you were looking at it thinking, Eden Hazard is going to enjoy himself today. De Brown, these guys are going to like this little bit of space. Like after ten minutes, that they're it allowed to really clear. That yeah, but funny, and I was behind that goal. The Belgium were shooting into in the first half, and really, I think maybe I was just getting encouraged by the fact that they were. There were a lot of these overhead crosses, and just, you know, f- the final ball wasn't great, and they weren't necessarily. They didn't seem to be creating. To me, I don't know. The more sort of half chances you see missed, or the more final balls you see go astray directly in front of you, the more you start thinking, well, they'll never score. You mm. know, they they should, given their dominance, they should be getting closer to scoring than they are, and you start getting a little bit encouraged by that. So even though I suppose I said at the start that we were beaten by a much better team, I, I at halftime I did have a, a bit of a sense of confidence. That maybe well, we you know, like that's the, well, that's the the essential nature of the sports fan is that you try to be optimistic for Until as long you're as you can. Down. and then when you're 3-0 down it's like <laughs> a tumour I think we all <laughs> you know like the, the, this they team have let us down yeah I mean I think that's just that's mm. just uh, that's just natural but to be honest Belgium were better from the first inside the first five minutes mm. I had a very bad feeling about this game we'll uh, find out what Kent on <laughs> Well, Ken, we just have to accept we were beaten by the best. Yeah, but asterisk, Owen, um, we were also the victim of a horrible injustice. Um, sure, the result might have been justice. The result might have been sporting justice. But was it legal justice? I feel that we were hard done by. Uh, because none other than Belgian coaching genius Mark Vilmots said the day before the game, you know, as, as he seemed to be um, preparing the ground, uh, you know, for his own possible uh, managerial burial, uh, was saying... Well, the thing about football is sometimes the coin just lands on the wrong side for you, and that's just the way it is. You know, there's nothing, nothing really you can do about that. Uh, that's football. That's the game. That's normal. That's what we've all got to get our heads around. And we had a big moment like that in that game when Shane Long was Jean-Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. by two Belgian defenders simultaneously in the penalty area in what makes one of the most shocking uh, sports photographs since Jason McAteer dropkicked that Macedonian guy in the throat uh, in 1998, or possibly, you know, Nigel de Jong against Xabi Alonso. You know that very dramatic uh, photo of, of Nigel de Jong burying his studs in the chest of yep. Xabi Alonso? Uh, and you can see this photograph of, of Shane Long. It doesn't matter which angle. Every angle that you look at it, bizarrely, is worse than the last angle. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really, it's quite something. 
Um, I mean, on the one hand, you've got Fermalin coming across the front of Long where, with his foot very high uh, in what's clearly a dangerous challenge. But on the other hand, you've got, uh, you've got Alderweireld floating high in a sort of matrix style with his, his right leg fully extended uh, in a kind of horizontal and planted into Shane Long's brainstem. Now, I think that's a penalty. <laughs> I really think it's a penalty. I thought it was a penalty at the time. And I was wondering why this penalty wasn't given. And I think maybe a lot of the Irish players were thinking the same thing as Belgium got the ball, streaked from one end of the field to the other, and uh, Romelu Lukaku stuck it in the net. Um, that was a that was a tough a tough uh, thirty seconds or so of play to really take. That was a, that, that was a difficult one to swallow. I don't remember there being any a great. Uh, protest from the players but maybe that's because Belgium I suppose were immediately on the break and maybe it was sorry maybe this kind of thing sometimes you miss when you should really be noticing was there a massive protest from the players well they weren't immediately on the break actually the players played on the Irish players played on I mean I suppose there was there was a shout for a penalty but nothing happened so they just kept going yeah, so what you do was, yeah you just you do have to keep playing ultimately yeah Shay Long was still on the ground and uh, Ireland tried to put the ball back into a box where the only meaningful target in that box was still lying on the ground uh, clutching at the back of his neck and uh, you know the Belgium got the ball and well we know what happened from there I mean Belgium are an extremely good team uh, an extremely good team going forward so yeah I think it is a it's a fair result um, it, it reflects the gap in quality between the teams but the result doesn't always reflect the gap in quality between the teams. If Ireland had been given a penalty at nil-nil and scored that penalty, then I think we would have seen a rather different game. We would have had a lot of different circumstances. And let's talk about the game that we could have seen, because I'd rather talk about that game. Sounds great. I love this game. Yeah, that we did see. Yeah, so, so this is what happens in that game. Okay. We get the penalties given. Uh, referee Shakir says, oh, no, no, we can't have that. We can't have boots. Being uh, crushing into the back of uh, pl- the, the back of players' heads—that's extremely dangerous. I'm going to blow my whistle and award a spot kick to this gallant team in green. The ball is placed on the spot by mm, maybe Robbie Brady. I'll say Robbie Brady. Uh, you know, he he puts the ball down. He eyes up Thibaut Courtois. There's a lot of silence from those Belgian fans. Those Belgian fans who've been making so much noise, so much of it negative, um, so much negative noise. Um, those Ireland fans behind that goal are. Growing expectation. Robbie Brady calmly eyes Thibaut Courtois and then runs up and buries the ball into the back of the net. It's 1 0 to Ireland. Robbie Brady. Nobody can believe it. The world is astonished. How can Ireland possibly be leading? They've been, it's been like Homer Simpson against Dredder Tatum all day. <laughs> and here we, you know, Tatum is on the canvas. You know, groggy. He's taking an eight count. He's up. But, you know, uh, Simpson leads on points going into the last couple of rounds. What's going to happen now? So what happens? What happens now is that Ireland are uh, are suddenly suddenly have a slightly different approach to this game. Are we going to be pushing forward mindlessly into uh, Belgian territory? No, no. Uh, every man, every man, Jack among them is back, denying space, denying space, Owen, to players who really, really enjoy space. We're talking Kevin De Bruyne. We're talking Eden Hazard. We're talking Romelu Lukaku. As a friend of mine was saying to me after the game. These are probably the three best barriers of poor teams in the Premier League on the counter-attack that there is. You know, if you were, if you were a bad team 
a bad Premier League team losing a game, needing to get a goal. The three players that you least want to see in the opposing team are Kevin De Bruyne, Aiden Hazard, and Romelu Lukaku. Fair? Is that a fair comment? I can't think of anyone else offhand. I mean, the three players in question are certainly very much in favour of a situation like that. Yes, that's correct. Is there a situation in football that Eden Hazard loves more than streaking unopposed into an opposing half of the ball at his feet? Mm. Yeah, we kind I mean, of allowed him to do that quite a bit. Yeah, we, we, we saw a little bit of that. But anyway, we wouldn't have been seeing that in this game that I'm talking about, uh, where, you know, there there's uh, four banks, two banks of one, one bank of four, and one bank of six, uh, you know, maybe one bank of five and a half, and Shane Long occasionally runs forward to get to get beaten uh, by the Belgian defenders, uh, as had been happening all day. And then we've got a, a slightly different situation. We've got a lot of pressure on Belgium. We've got a team where there is definitely a few fault lines. I mean, if you didn't think there were, you want to see Mark Vilmots after that game. Oh, that, I'm talking about the game that actually goes in the record books. Um he is an unappealing personality, I have to say. I've never seen a coach look so, um, yeah, he was talking about negative people and, and then, you know, negative people are never going to go anywhere in life. And I've literally never seen anyone more negative after, after a three-day win and it saves his hide. You know, it was, the only thing he was caring about at that stage was, was settling scores. And I was thinking, well, this, you know, this, this might be your moment, Will, unless you're enjoying strutting up and down, uh, settling scores, lecturing people on uh, negativity and criticism, but, like, uh, you'll get yours. You know, don't, don't worry about that. Um, but, you know, that, that we've suddenly got Belgium trying to find a way through this, through this mass defence who are desperately trying to hang on to a lead. Uh, that's something they've been trying to do unsuccessfully the entire first half without really creating any uh, big chances. And... You've got Mark Vilmot standing on the sideline, getting increasingly nervous, aware of all the eyes of the hated uh, Flemish media behind him, with their eyes burning into his back, thinking to himself, how am I going to change this game? And then Mark Vilmot is left to the decision, am I going to make any changes? And everybody's hoping, make a change, Vilmot, vandalize this team. Please, start breaking bits off your team and throwing them away, please. And we'll see how... We'll see how your new team does against this uh, desperate massed Irish defence. Maybe they would have scored on. Who knows? They would have needed to score at least twice, and it would have been a difficult situation. And it all really goes back to that penalty. Having said that, uh, maybe maybe it is time to stop talking fantasy football. Um, and focus on the game that actually... They were a lot better than we were. We were scared of them. I got the, you know, I mean, I, I, Kieran was saying we started to play better in the second half. I mean, it was easy to play in the second half because Belgium were just dropping off, waiting for us to give them the ball so they could do that thing they love of streaking into space uh, behind us. I mean, they were perfectly content to allow us possession and play uh, and move the ball up the field because the more, further we were up the field, the more space there was in behind. Um, that's a totally different game from the first half where Belgium were trying to dominate the game um, and I think did so pretty successfully. I mean, I thought that actually Ireland played... I mean, Ireland played badly, but in some ways well in the first half. They played badly in the sense that Martin O'Neill talked about after the game, where he was he was disappointed with the way that we just when we got the ball, we just tended to give it straight back to, to Belgium. There was no there was none of the kind of calmness or freedom or uh, you, you know that that sort of the sense that you got off the team in the Sweden game, where they were saying yes, you know, players were stepping up, players were playing well. Uh, doing things with the ball, 
remaining composed in possession. In this case, it was there was no composure. It was like, oh, get rid, get rid of it, get rid of it, and that meant that we just kept booting the ball long towards Shane Long, who was all by himself, uh, getting horribly abused uh, by um, by some tough some tough Belgian defenders. Um, I mean, did you see the moment in the first half when Shane Long found himself uh, with two uh, Belgians backing into him and Thomas Vermalen completing the sort of sandwich uh, by actually kind of a Belgian waffle iron. Shane Long was like this hapless temporary batter and the, this uh, steely Belgian waffle iron, the jaws of it snapped shut as Thomas Vermalen launched himself higher than I've seen him jump for at least eight years <laughs> and smashed his hip like full-on Schumacher hip bone into the back of Shane Long's head. That was the prepared, preferred uh, Belgian target all night. I was amazed he was still going. You know, he, I mean, there was a couple of times when he, when he stayed down a little longer and got up, obviously, sort of rubbing different parts of his body that had just been, uh, uh, suffered uh, these horrible impacts. Um, he was very tough, I thought, uh, Long, but he got nothing from the referee. That, that moment when I'm talking about when Vermaelen smashed him from behind with his hip, Belgium got a free kick for that. <laughs> so how can that possibly be a free kick? How can any referee look at that and think that was a free kick to the guy who just got sandwiched by three opposing players? But that's how the referee saw it. That's how the referee saw it all game. And I, and I did think it was, you know, an advantage that Belgium didn't need, given all their other advantages, <laughs> given the fact that, you know, nearly all of their players were better than the corresponding Irish player. Yeah, I didn't realise uh, that uh, actually... Sorry, I did realise that there was a lot of outrage at the ref because I was in the middle of the Ireland fans behind the, the goal, the goal that Ireland were shooting into in the second half. And there were howls of derision all throughout the game for the referee. But I was c- consciously trying to just detach myself from that a small bit because when you're in the middle of that, it just gets ridiculous. Anytime the referee blows a whistle, everyone's abusing him uh, based on maybe one decision that happened early on. But you did feel from the slightly more refined, rarefied view of the press box, Ken, that the, the ref did do us a little bit. I thought so, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and I had the benefit of uh, of replays. I could see. It. I mean, there was there, there, we did get away with some things. I mean, for instance, Shane Long uh, injured Carrasco with a pretty nasty tackle just before half time. I mean, Carrasco was still in the field getting treated after everyone had gone down the tunnel, and the referee didn't give anything for that, um, which was, yeah. I mean, that <laughs> it was pretty nasty. Although. There was, you know, against that, then there was a de- tackle from behind by Dembele on Hulahin. You know, Dembele just launched himself into Hulahin's Achilles. No yellow card. You know, why is that not a yellow card? <laughs> how, can, how can that not be a yellow card? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting and raving here about the referee, and it's, it's, always a, it's always a silly thing to do because you can't obviously change what happened. But I did think it was, I did think there was uh, some friendly refereeing. I, I'll, go, I'll go this far on. If Belgium get refereeing like that in every game, they will win this tournament easily. <laughs> there is nobody who can stop Belgium in this tournament if the referee's like that in each one of their games from now. No problem. Just, you know, f- forget it now. Right? If it, you can fill out your wall chart, chart on. Just write Belgium all the way. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They will win. They will win their first European Championship. Vilmos will be hailed as a genius if the referee treats them in the same way in every game. You, you were talking there about how Belgium were quite happy for us to come on to them a little bit and uh, so that they could streak away into those open spaces. I think it was really encapsulated with the third goal where you could kind of looking at it, you're thinking Belgium are happy enough for Ireland to work that ball of the pitch. James McLean gets it, tries to take on uh, 
Alderweireld was it? And it's just mm. robbed. Of no, it was uh, it was what's his name M- Munier. Oh, excuse Munier, me, yeah. the right back. And is robbed of possession yeah. so easily. Oh, ball, like so easily, and then a ball right in front of all the arm. Did, did, did everyone get a good view of that? By oh, the way, oh, great view! Well, I certainly did. Yeah, it was. It, it was. was it really was literally. Weird. It was like. Uh, it was. It was just. It was like um, someone. <laughs> it was so deliberate the way he took the ball off. Him. Yeah. It was. It was almost like he just put his hand in and sort of taken out a teddy from one of those. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of those claw things in the fairground. If he's somehow been able to get his hand in there, just take out the teddy, and you know, it was so. It was like, how, how can that happen? It's, it's, McLean, it's like McLean is seeing all this speeded up. You know, it, 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 was, it was way too easy that that happened. But, you know, it's not that it was McLean's fault. What, what that happened. Sorry, I don't have... If, if, no, that's if, fine. Describe, describe what happened then, please, from your point well, of view. Well, okay, the ball... Okay, the ball is then sort of chipped forward in, in, in along the right-hand touchline towards midfield. Depth perception is always somewhat difficult uh, when you're behind one goal, but those halfway lines are quite handy. So, is anyway, so yeah. somewhere, somewhere in and around the halfway line, chipped forward, at which point, I don't know, maybe Kieran Clark was trying to make up for McLean's lack of urgency moments before by showing an abundance of urgency himself, but you could mm. just see him tearing over to... <sighs> He wanted to bury Eden Hazard. I'm not sure if he was that worried about getting the ball. I'm a Clark's not a dirty player, but I'm sure he would have had a lot of frustrations at that stage in the game. So what it looked like was a player, and you could see it happening. You could see that Hazard was going to get there and chip it on. Hazard's a fast, fast player. He might not have the longest legs, but w- once he gets anywhere near the ball, he's going to he's going to just flick it past the player. And Clark goes sliding, probably about five or six yards off the pitch, and it's a goal. Then you know, as soon as as soon as yeah. Hazard, as soon as attack, and there's still so much. Of the pitch to cover, but I mean, the goal was scored at that moment. I think. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I, I it seemed to me watching as though Hazard actually slowed down uh, to invite Clark to do that. Really, I don't think I don't think Hazard was coming at full pelt for that ball um, all the way. But once he saw Clark coming over and he knew and, and he knew it was going to happen, he, he he accelerated again. And then it was two on one. Actually, it was actually three on one because it was O'Shea was back, but Lukaku was there and De Bruyne was the next player arriving on the scene. You know what I mean? It wasn't like um, it wasn't like there was some cover. Help was on the way. Help was not on the way. Um, but I, I thought it was, I mean, it was appalling play by Clark, obviously, but... The the reason that it's the worst thing about it was that why didn't you take the man? You know, I mean, I think he was trying think, to do that, was he? Not? I think he was. I think he was going for the ball because he was trying to get the man. How did he not get the man? How did he not get the man? You know, the man is just keep your eye on the man. Forget about the ball. You know, this is what if if Clark did that in an Antonio Conte team, he would have substituted him immediately. I don't know if he had. I don't know if we had a substitution, uh, a remaining substitute, but Conte would have taken him off anyway. <laughs> Conte would have been like, you're you're off. Oh, you, we don't have any more substitutes. Well, go down. You're injured. Get off. Get off the field. If you're not injured now, if you don't go down feigning an injury now so I can get you off, you will have an injury. You will have a, a real injury. <laughs> I mean, they, they just wouldn't... It's, uh, this is another thing Vilmots is like. I keep, I keep harking back to Vilmots. It's like Vilmots is a new Ferguson. You know, we always talk about Ferguson's book. Well, Vilmots coaching wisdom. Um, the word that he was talking about was grinta. Grinta, um, an Italian, a nasty Italian word, meaning kind of, meaning grit, but really meaning tactical fouling, knowing when to kick somebody, knowing when to take a yellow card, you know, the sort of ruthless know-how that characterizes Italian football, that certainly characterized Italy's performance against Belgium. If you look at that game, there were several, there was three Italian players 
who were booked for comical uh, tactical fouls on Belgians who had who had gotten away in the counter attack. Bang, you're gone. Yellow card. Yeah, I don't care. You know that's why we've got 23 players. We've we name 23 players in our squad so we can do that. You know, 20 times before we need to start worrying about who's in our team. Um, and you know that's that's what they do. If they don't do it, you see the behaviour of Conte on the touchline. You see if if they allow any kind of you know, a dodgy defensive situation, if there's a little lapse in concentration or in ruthlessness, he goes absolutely crazy. He reminds, he's reminding everyone, this is, this is the state of mind that we've got to be in. The reason Belgium didn't score against Italy has a lot to do with that. In our case, we just don't, you know, we don't do that. Maybe James McCarthy on the first goal was trying to get the ball from Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know. But if you'd been trying to just take out Kevin De Bruyne, it's a lot simpler. The ball confuses people. The ball is like a decoy. You know, if you can't if you can't get it, you have to bring the man down. I mean, I I, I sound like Carlos Bellardo here or something. Like, what have I been doing? Like, all, you know, like I've been up all night. I've lost all my money gambling and drinking whiskey, and now I'm just on this tirade about like how <laughs> you've got to take the man, you've got to take down the man. You know, that's this this isn't this isn't a beautiful game, but this is tournament football. You know, if if you can't get the ball, then you can't let the man go past. And Clark did, you know, it's, it's like, what are you doing, Clark? You know, that you don't, you, sh- you shouldn't really run it. We, we, we let in a really similar goal against uh, Slovakia, if you remember in the friendly. It was McShane on that occasion doing the Kieran Clark. And after that, everyone was like, well, McShane has just waved goodbye to his faint hope of going to the Euros. I mean, what kind of defending? You certainly can't have that kind of defending in the tournament. Exactly the same goal against Belgium, a huge game. McCarthy, you know, in the, in the, on the first goal against Hazard, or against De Bruyne, rather, another dangerous situation, another counter-attack. Why can't you bring him down? The referee doesn't seem to think anything's a yellow card. You know, Shane Long's just been, Shane Long's just had his head kicked off. That wasn't even a foul. Surely if you bring down Kevin De Bruyne here, it's not going to be a yellow card. Maybe McCarthy was worried about um, the fact that he already had a card from the previous game. You know, he, he, had, a, he had a card, so maybe he thought, oh, I don't want to get suspended, and went in a bit half-hearted, and, it was, and he was just stripped. Um, I don't he know what he's playing against Italy anyway. Sorry, he might not be playing against Italy anyway. He might as well have picked up a second yellow card. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he will play against Italy. Uh, I mean, he was substituted. <clears throat> excuse me. He was substituted immediately after the um, second Belgian goal, and he was obviously, you know, key to key to the fact that Axel Witzel had a totally unopposed header. I mean, if you watch it, it's in such a simple situation. Um, I mean, Belgium, it wasn't a fast attack like the other ones. I mean, I, in, that, in that spell after Belgium's first goal, Ireland did actually play quite well. And I think Belgium were a little bit excited and maybe their heads were fizzing a little bit. They were like, oh, we're 1-0 up now. This is great. Oh, but, you know, we need to stay. We need to make sure we're 1-0 up. You know, we can't let it in an equalizer now. And they sort of started to get a little bit of that fear um, that sometimes comes with having something to lose, you know. And... I thought Ireland were actually playing quite well and were kind of, you know, seemed to have maybe woken up a bit. It was, it was, you know, in a in a manner vaguely strolls in the wind, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's you know, it's kind of similar dynamic to what was happening in Ireland, Sweden. It's like okay, well, we're you know, Ireland are the side that that are going to attack now, at least for a little while, uh, and Belgium are a little bit worried. But then Belgium got the ball and. Uh, I believe it was a 28-pass move. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a speedy, you know, one end to the other. It was just a nicely worked uh, move the ball up the field, move it from one side to another, eventually work a crossing position, and then put over a cross. And we've been dealing with those all day, but the difference was that 
this time Axel Witzel was just allowed to go totally unmarked. I mean, you can see it. McCarthy's there. Witzel is behind him. And he knows he's there because he looks at him twice. And, he, you know, they're, they're you know, moving towards the edge of the box and they're sort of moving into the box. And then the cross comes. Witzel moves and McCarthy just doesn't move. You know, it's just like, well, it's just, it's, he just stopped. You know, it was like James McCarthy battery just ran out at, unfortunately, the critical moment. And, and he's just standing there blinking as, as Belgium celebrates their 2-0. Then he's taken off. So I don't know if, uh, I think, um, I mean, uh, punishment substitution would probably be a bit harsh. But I think that Martin O'Neill probably decided at that moment, all right, this guy isn't, his, his head's not in the game anymore. You know, he's, you know, there's no point in having him out there. Highly rated though he is. Well, though he might have played against Germany in that qualifier, there really is no point in having him on the pitch anymore. So off he comes. And whether he plays against Italy, I don't know. I mean, if I was James McCarthy, I might be thinking, you know, that injury I've been trying to cover up all these uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I think I'm, I'm I maybe need time to rest that injury <laughs> at this stage. You know, because I'm, I'm looking to make excuses for McCarthy. I don't understand what's wrong with him. And uh, and the thing is that against Belgium, I thought he started well. Like he had a few kind of good little tackles earlier in the game. He was pressing quite energetically, more actively than he had been, you know, against Sweden. It wasn't like he was doing much on the ball, but nobody really was on the ball much for Ireland. And I thought, yeah, okay, well, this is good. At least McCarthy's kind of got his game face on today. But that only lasted 20, 30 minutes. He sort of started to totally disappear from the game and then was kind of involved in the first two goals. And really, it was, it was, it was more disastrous, much worse than the, than the one against Sweden. So, um, yeah. I That's think, James yeah. McCarthy, yeah. I know. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's, 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 it's just a, it's a constant source of frustration really people hope this might be the tournament where he stepped up and imposed himself in the game in the way that Jeff Hendrick did in the first I thought, I thought Hendrick was pretty decent again yesterday looked like he was combining quite well particularly oh Hendrick is, Hendrick is class yeah even in the second half with you know he's slipping James Coleman in repeatedly with these little slide rule balls in behind the full back yeah he just he just looked like but it's his personality maybe personality is the wrong word I know that gets thrown at McCarthy the whole time but certainly in the two games so far you're looking at Hendrick and he looks like a guy who feels like he belongs on this stage yeah, but you know he he's um, he's got like he's just kind of assured when he's got the ball. He's not worried about losing the ball when the balls come to him. It's it's not like the only thing in his mind is oh my god, I hope I control this ball. He he kind of seems to feel quite confident about controlling that ball. And what he can do instead, what he can use his brain to do, is plot where the ball is going to go next. Where is the ball going to go next, and where what am I going to do next? As opposed to, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, here comes the ball. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what am I going to do? Oh my god, I hope it's not going to be embarrassing when I the ball hits off my shin and they get it. Oh no, it's I, I get that sense of some of our players some of the time. You don't get that with Hendrick. It's like he's he can control it, he can pass it. It's like also the the other way Thierry Henry is always saying, you always have time. You know that's one of Henry's. <laughs> big uh big punditry things you know and he's he's always talking about strikers but he's you know what he what he means is there's more time in the box than you think you know you're just rushing you're rushing everything because oh you think the defenders are going to be on you oh my god you're worried oh you're excited oh the crowd is shouting what will i do i better score you know there's always there's always a little extra instant of time you don't actually need to rush everything and hendrick plays as though he's aware of that uh, you know, in this in the second half, particularly he's getting the ball. But you can Belgians are coming. Uh, he's got two men maybe coming. He's got another guy trying to close down an angle. All he just controls it, looks through the gap, finds the gap with the pass. It's a simple thing. Technically, it's not that difficult. It's 
it's mentally that's the tough part of it. And technically, in training, in a you know, in a in a calm, no pressure situation, every single player in the Irish team is able to do this kind of thing. Uh, in an actual match against you know top quality opponents who will punish you if they get the ball, you know, it's not, I think that's that's the other difference between the, the Belgium game and the Sweden game. Uh, you know, the fact that Ireland showed more of this kind of quality of composure uh, on the ball has to do with the fact that after a few minutes, it was obvious Sweden didn't really have anyone who could hurt us. You know, maybe maybe Zlatan, but everyone can see Zlatan. It's not like he's going to. You know, with Belgium, there were several players who, if they win the ball in a while, while your team is slightly out of shape, you're in serious trouble. You know, these these guys can can really hurt you. So I think that adds to the pressure and the fear, uh, which a lot of our players succumb to. But not Henrik. Hendrik, I thought I thought he was uh, thought he had another very good game. Nice stadium, Ken. I liked the stanchions that uh, the uh, nine hundred stanchions, which were designed to represent the region's renowned pine forests. Apparently. I'm looking for the oh, positives really? here, Ken. It was a it was a lovely brand spanking new stadium, very atmospheric. Although I did get the sense that Belgium were the Belgian fans were creating more of the atmosphere. And they were Oh they were. They were there in good time. Not 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 in as big numbers as Ireland, but they were they must have got those trams a lot earlier than a lot of us Irish fans. Yeah, um, see, Ireland fans were, were complaining about the trams, uh, but the Belgians all seem to be able to get there. Maybe they just got taxis or whatever. I think they might have just got trams taxis down from Belgium. A lot of their a lot of their chants are in English. They chant a lot like an an English club uh, supporters of an English club in the nineteen seventies or something. Mm. Um, maybe they're maybe English is like a neutral language yeah. um, for them. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, they're they're almost all of them are bilingual. You know, in French and Dutch. I think the only player who isn't is Fermalin. I don't know how that happened. Fermalin only speaks Dutch, apparently. I don't know how he managed to avoid picking up French. <laughs> uh, uh, he just he just doesn't give a damn. Uh, <laughs> Dan, yeah, this, they, start, this, they this started as a positive point about the stadium, and now we're just no, talking they, about they, how the Belgian they, fans are better than the Belgian fans. They beat us in the stands as well. That's all we have. It's all we've got as our supporters. Well, I saw Stuart James and Guardian said, Ireland outclassed everywhere but the stands. And I kind of shake my hand, going, no, unfortunately we were in the stands as well. I mean, although it depends, I suppose, on your definition of class. Yeah. Does class mean, you know, creating a, a riot of colour and sound? Does class mean having a great repertoire of songs, uh, supporting your team in, in, in a variety of ways, you know, getting on the referee's back, you know, abusing the opposing team, singing a range of own songs in a range of languages? If that's what class means, then yes! The Belgians were more classy than Ireland. But if class is defined differently, if class is defined as remaining in good spirits, in hard, in testing conditions. Keeping the chin up. We were definitely in just along for the sing-song territory uh, toward the end. We were definitely, we were veering towards there. So Owen, tell me, what was the uptake like of the fields of Athen Rye when it started in the 87th minute? Oh. Didn't seem to go on very long. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it, it was reasonable. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't, well, I don't know, I wasn't in the stands that day against Spain, and that, that was the match, I suppose, that you would compare this to. Mm. Uh, the, the, that was a match that got Roy Keane's ire in the first place, isn't it, about the, being along yeah. for the sing-song? Yeah. Maybe fans were conscious of that, maybe Murph has a point here. Everyone was looking at you, they're going, should we sing too loud? Roy Keane's the assistant manager now, he's we don't right want him there. coming out. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not we like, you know, we, we have to go lucky for no, him, maybe yeah. he's in the press box, we know exactly where he's sitting. And the Irish fans were, were good, you know, it's just, it's hard to be great when you're 3-0 down. Uh, I just didn't get the sense there was any great belief, you know, it felt like, it felt like a really good atmosphere beforehand, but it didn't feel like you're in amongst a group of supporters that were 
that really believe their team were going to win. But that's, again, maybe Irish people are... Too realistic about too, football. Too, too realistic about football. And um, now, the, the, uh, the Belgians, I thought, actually turned it into a kind of a quite nasty atmosphere um, by their... Well, what happened was basically the Belgian fans were, uh, were obviously a little bit tense because every time the... Uh, the ball went dead or Ireland had to throw or a goal kick, the Belgians were uh, were booing. And this was like as early as like the sixth or seventh minute. And it was, it was sort of irritating, you know. It's like, shut up, you know, it's like this is the sixth minute. Like, they're not time-wasting. This is just how long we take to take a goal kick. I mean, for Christ's sake. Like, you know, you think Darren Randolph is is thinking strategically. Like, Daniel, Darren Randolph is like the, the new Ricardo Carvalho or something, and he's... And he's like, has this Machiavellian plan to waste time. No, he just, he's just a guy who likes to take his time over a goal kick. Leave him be. So then what happened was as soon as uh, Belgium got a goal kick, there was all this booing from the other end. As the Irish fans just retaliated. Oh, you, you know, if you're going to boo us, we'll boo you. Uh, so, and then suddenly everyone was booing all the time. And, and then the players started to sort of foul each other. Particularly Long was getting abused. You know, Long, the, the isolated Irish guy up against these... Uh, Belgian central defenders. He's obviously been instructed to uh, take the, um, you know, a harsh disciplinarian approach, and uh, and suddenly it was like everyone was in a bad mood. You know, if you boo and boo and boo, suddenly you're like Ugh. everyone's getting angry, shouting at the referee and shouting at the other team. And it, it kind of contributed to a hot atmosphere. You know, it was unlike unlike the Sweden game. What that did never happen at any point in the Sweden game. It was that was a real sporting occasion. Alan. Not until these Belgians came along and soured it. <laughs> With their uh, with their friendly ref and brilliant players and ruthless <laughs> exposure of Ireland on the counter attack. Well, listen, Ken, we'd love to sit here chatting to you all day, but myself and Murph have a football tournament to play in today. Oh the my God! World Refugee Day Fair Play Football Cup hosted by the UN High Commission for Refugees Ireland and Sport Against Racism Ireland. Yes, Ken, our motto is "Give it to Richie Sadler this year" as yep. per last year. Uh, we Give reckon if, if you can't sum up your tactical philosophy in five words or less, <laughs> you know, or fi- you're you know you're you're just blinding people with information, you know. So yeah. that we we've boiled it down to one five word phrase: give it to Richie Sadler. Well, that's it. I mean, just yeah. give it to Richie. Give it to Richie. We'll slow it give down. Give it Richie. Give it Richie. Richie. <laughs> give it Richie. <laughs> maybe this year, as opposed to last year, the rest of us can catch up with him in time. Yeah. Uh, we, to I might maybe try give him a bit of support. I'm going to try and kick the ball higher to give myself give more time, more to, time to, to get... Like Gary Owens up, up to yeah, Richie yeah, Sadler yeah, yeah, and then yeah. just follow them on, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I just think you're an example to the overpaid, uh, you know, underworked Premier League prima donnas of today. <laughs> uh, fresh from a 2 a.m. flight and presumably, a, you know... I was in Castle Bar yesterday. I didn't get back till 1am either, you know, uh, Ken. Yeah, but you probably drove back. I was drinking, I think, Ken, is the point is that Ken's drinking. Yeah, I, I was drinking, you were relaxing. I was driving, you were relaxing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and here you are, you know, uh, nose to the grindstone, working in the morning, and then straight out to play football. What an example you are to you, to young footballers, and indeed soldiers of today. <laughs> You're my little soldier on. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. That's your Sunday Thanks. hit of post-match Ireland-Belgium reaction. We'll have loads more tomorrow, including Richie Sadler. Hopefully a triumphant Richie Sadler after today's football. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Thanks, Hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.